Hello, my name is Dylan Arvella and welcome to episode 11 of Away From The Pitch. Joining me today, I have Bulleye Shotstopper and Talk To Me Bro Ambassador Ben McGuinness. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Cheers, Dylan. Thanks for having us, mate. I wanted to get you on to talk about the fantastic initiative that is Talk To Me Bro and we will get into that a little bit later, but let's start with your footballing career. You started out in seniors, I guess, with the Winuna Sharks back in, I believe, 2008 when they were still in the District League, promoted the next year, and I believe you were the perhaps the second-choice goalkeeper at that stage. Can you tell me about your years at Ocean Park? Yeah, sounds about right. Um, I started playing football for Noona when I was five, um, pretty much played juniors the whole way through. Um, and then, yeah, it would have been about 2008. Um, got myself into the youth grade team there, when we're back in, in District League with Robbie Beemai. Um And, yeah, from there I um, yeah progressed through to first grade, which was which was good. So you were there from, you know, right at your start of your playing days. It must have been at some point a pride to go right through with your junior club to the to the senior side. Yeah, for sure. I think back when I was younger, I used to be ball boy and pretty much watch all the senior first grade games. Um, and then one day to, to, to finally make it, I think that was always the goal growing up was always to try and play first grade for Winona. And I was pretty fortunate. I think I, would, I was about 16 when I played the first game um, of, Premier League first grade, so I was um, yeah absolutely stoked about that, that's for sure. Tell me about how you ended up being in goals. You're a pretty imposing lad, so I think it, to many people it could have seemed uh, pretty straightforward to chuck you in the goals. Yeah, sure. pretty sure my first game um, I ever played for Winuna when I was five years old was in goals and we got smacked, got smacked about four or five nil, I think it was, so um, I think that was a sign of things to come for over the years, but I think I was about there 12 or 13 when I first jumped in between the sticks and yeah, it helped that I was about three foot tall than <laughs> everybody else. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was pretty much a natural footballing progression for me to go from a sweeper who didn't really have too much skill to, to playing keeper, that's for sure. It's a, it's a well-worn uh, path, that one. Don't worry about that. That's for sure. In, two, in 2013, you, you moved to Rivals Bulleye. Once again, that's another well-worn path. There's plenty of players that have gone between the two clubs, but why did you decide to head to Paul's Paddock? Um, I think for me, I had a couple of couple of pretty serious injuries when I was down at Winuna. I think in my first year there, I missed half the season. Uh, I, think I had a broken finger playing state titles up in Bathurst. So I missed the second half of the season there. And then I had a full season, a couple of full seasons in our Premier League. And then I managed to break, break my wrist playing, playing basketball with a couple of mates, which was um, only a couple of days before our major semi-final, um, mm. which then I ended up missing the whole season after. Um, and I was pretty much told that I would never play soccer again as a goalkeeper. My life absolutely shattered my left wrist, but I was fortunate enough to, about 18 months later, I got myself back between the sticks, had one more year at Winuna. Um, but I just needed something fresh, I think. I had a lot of good good friends up at Bulleye who, who told me about the football club, um, and I think that for me it was a pretty easy, easy choice to go and play with, with those boys up at Bulleye um, and haven't really looked back since. Let me ask you about that wrist injury. Is that something you were, if you were told you were never going to play again, with the, or at least in goals again, is that a, something that you still have trouble with today? Or um, some days I do. I think on the colder days, I definitely, definitely feel a bit of um, a pain in it. But um, I've sort of been strapping it up now for so many years, so it's just at a normal mm. now. But no, it's something that I'm pretty happy about the rehab that I did um, to get myself back back playing again. I think that was the most important thing for me was to get myself back out on the park um, and 
been a sparky as well. I always wanted to get get back to work. Yeah. I think that happened in the first sort of couple of months of my apprenticeship um, back in yeah twenty ten, I think it was. So um, yeah, definitely definitely happy to be back playing. That's for sure. And you've below one of the stronger teams in the competition at the time you were with them in your first stint there, and so I believe you were part of the that pretty strong youth grade side that. Uh, did, came close to doing the double in 2014 where you've won the league by probably, was it 11 or so points or something like that and uh, just missed out in the grand final to Wollongong United 3-2 at Wynn Stadium. But moving on to the next year and a tragic event occurred in your life, losing your father to, your father Richard to suicide, which perhaps put football on the back burner. Yeah, for me, you know, 2015 was a tough year for me, that's for sure. Um, I think I'd been a bull for a couple of years before that, um, playing youth grade and played a little bit of first grade there as well in 20, 2014. I think 2015 was going to be, be my first full year playing Premier League first grade. Um, and then unfortunately, just before the start of the season, I think it was a couple of days before, I think it might have been the semi-final of the Frat Cup. Um, yeah, I found, found my father and he, he, he took his own life. Um, so that was something that was quite hard for me to come to terms with, I think. Um, but I think football was my escape and, and I made a lot of friends with Buller over the years and they became like a very, very close family to me, um, especially Benny Smith, who was a coach at the time there. Um, yeah, he really called me every single day, text me every single day, see how I was doing. So that made things a lot easier, that's for sure. Had you have you had you been confronted with mental illness before then? Not myself, but um, it was a battle that my father dealt with for God, many, many years. And I think I was first confronted mm. with it um, when he told me about it when I would have only been 12 or, or 13. So that was something that yeah. I, grew, I grew up with, um, talking to him, God, every single week about it. We'd always always speak about it. Um, but unfortunately, I think that was probably what made it a little bit tougher to come to terms with uh, was the fact that I, I knew about it. Um, and the fact was that it happened a day that I was actually playing. I think I played Fernhill with youth cup final I was helping out the youth grade team they'd lost a couple of goalkeepers so I said yeah I'll happily go back and play and my father only lived 100 meters from Fernhill soccer ground um and the day that it happened I was literally across the road so uh, that was something that I had to come to sort of terms with over the following months I guess and you did take time away from football but was there a decision where you're like, look, I need to step away from the game and sort through things for you as a as an individual? Yeah, 100%. I think, um, like I said, Bullough was like a family to me um, and I owed something to Bullough for the support that they gave me throughout that 2015 season. Um, we had a great year that year um, and then I finished my apprenticeship, my electrical apprenticeship in the July of 2015. So the main aim for me was to sort of finish finish that, and then I knew that I had a soccer season ahead to finish off as well. But um, I think that year we lost the major, we lost the qualifying game to go through the grand final to United three um, two. But I had a plane booked to South America the day after the soccer grand final, um, and yeah, me and my best best mate took off. And was that a very deliberate? decision to go and travel yeah 100 percent. i think it was something that i always wanted to do once i finished my apprenticeship i just didn't know when the right time was but um yeah he spoke to me a couple of months beforehand and said look if you want to go let's just go and do it now so for me it was something i didn't even think twice about 
And when you, oh, interestingly enough, I was actually reading a, a blog post by a, a German football writer whose name's Archie Rintut, who was who's suffering with mental health himself or living with mental health rather, and he's he actually took about three months away from working as a freelance writer to go and travel around as well. So it's interesting how travel is a is something that people use to perhaps open up their mind to other things while you're traveling were you thinking about your own mental health i was but at the same time it was great to be away you know you're always active when you are traveling so i guess i had moments when i did have time to myself to reflect upon what had had happened in the previous months um but at, Mm. at the same time i went to south america for almost four months went to europe for four months um, I came back to Australia, started working again, but I had the travel bug. So it was at yeah. that time that I ended up moving to the UK for almost two years. Were you play, did you have any soccer experiences over in the UK, no, perhaps? I, I played a bit of seven aside on a Monday night, but I think I played centre midfield and was pretty much the star of the competition. <laughs> so that pretty much sums it up, I think. Fair enough, fair enough. Imagine an Australian playing seven aside over there. That would have been quite, quite a sight. Uh, but you... You came back to Australia and then you became involved with a charity called Talk To Me Bro, which is still quite a, quite young. I think it's two or th- it was started two or three years ago. But could you perhaps tell me how you linked up with them and what they are looking to do? Yeah, so Talk To Me Bro is something I got involved in a couple of years ago. Uh, Christy Hajir, who's, I guess, the founder of Talk To Me Bro, um, she did a couple of presentations at Definition Fitness. Um, and I guess I just got talking with Christy about what I'd been through. She'd lost her husband um, about 12 months before, which is the reason that she created Talk To Me Bro. Um, and I think for me, I just wanted to give something back. I'd probably been away uh, from everything for two, you know, two and a half, three years, I think it was, and I was ready to sort of start talking about it. Um, you know, I didn't want someone else's family going through what ours went through. Um, and then once she sort of told me all about the stats and everything, um, around mental health um, and the, the rates of men, men's suicide, in particularly in um, the Wollongong region. I think it's the highest in New South Wales. I think you know, 75% of people that take their own life are men and I think the majority are aged between 16 and uh, 45. So obviously I'll fall into that age bracket and I'm, most of my friends fall into that same age age bracket as well. So did you go to them to want, wanting to be involved or were you looking for perhaps some support at that stage? No, I was go. I went to, to to Christy and said I, I wanted to be in in involved some way. Um, I think for me it was um, I wanted to give something back. Um, mm. I'd been away travelling for so long and I was in a very good headspace coming back. Um, and I think there's a lot of great organisations out there that surround mental health. I think you know the Beyond Blue, the Black Dog Institute, Headspace. But I think there's sort of a bridge um, that needs to be filled. Um, there's a gap between guys that sort of they don't want to open up at all. Um, but then you've got guys who formally go and approach a charity like Beyond Blue, um, I guess, recognising that they do need help. So that's where I think mm. Talk To Me Break comes in. Um, yeah, it just gives opportunity for guys to sort of sit down in an informal environment um, with other guys that have been in a similar situation, really. Um, and more importantly, just talk to guys who have had their own battles um, yeah. and sort of just shed a bit of light on how they overcame what they went through. Um, sort of really help others that are at, at that crossroad, I guess. I want to ask, is there, you've been involved with senior men's football for the best part of a decade. Is there still a stigma 
around mental health within sport. Obviously, everyone in Illawarra football is aware of the toll that it can have uh, on on individuals and the community. But is there still is it still a taboo subject? Oh, one hundred percent. I think you look at you look at professional football, uh, just professional sport in general. Um, you can see the effect that it has on their players, um, but then you sort of filter down through grassroots football too, and it's just something that just isn't spoken about. Um, it's really swept un- under the carpet, um, and it's not until someone actually comes out and says, "Hey, yes, I do have depression. I do need help." That um, you know there are o- organisations that can take over from there, but unfortunately, um, we're losing too many guys who we're not aware of that have got mental health health issues. Um, and I think, like I said, that's where Talk to Me Bro comes in and sort of tries to be that informal bridge between you know, guys that are not talking, but guys that are also coming out and saying, yes, I do have a problem. Perhaps could you also tell me some of the, the things that you do with Talk to Me Bro as, as you as, as a person? Um, yeah, so look, when I first got involved, we, we sort of taught to me, bro. Um, we, we we were running the sessions at Definition Fitness, um, and it was a very open sort of session where guys would sit down in a group of twelve or fifteen people, um, and just sort of just talk about what they were going through. You'd see guys come in as one person, and they leave a completely different person two hours later. Um, I think the first session I sat in on, um, we we taught to me, bro. Um, yeah. There was someone there who a week or so later came and said, thank you so much. Um, they weren't aware of the avenues that were out there to support their mental health. Um, it was a fact there were people there that were opening up and actually talking about it um, and guiding, guiding someone in the right direction. Um, and I think that's what Taught Me Bro is all about. You know, If Taught Me Bro can save one single life, then that's our job done. Um, but I don't think we want to stop there. You know, we want to keep this happening for years and years to come. I think it's also interesting that you mentioned your involvement came through a gym and we've talked about obviously football and even broader can be sport. It can actually play sport and activity, like physical activity can actually be a, a strong place to bring people together to talk about mental health as well even though as we've just said a couple of minutes ago there is a stigma potentially around it it can also be the link to to a potential solution for this for mental health issues yeah 100 i think the reason that i joined the gym was just to sort of clear my head it gives me an hour a day just to sort of have that opportunity just to really go and just sort of put myself in my own headspace um and just try and feel positive. Um, and that's what a lot of guys do go to the gym for. And I've spoken to quite a few guys. They're not there to um, to put muscle on, to lose weight, to be buff. They're just there for their own mental well-being. Um, and I think it's like anyone, you know, you, you play sport, you get injured, you go see a physio. Um, it's the same. It needs to be the same with, with mental health as well. If you're in a bad headspace, you really need to go um, and find something that does make you happy. Um, and, yeah, for me, Sport is everything. No doubt, it's, it plays a massive role in in combating people struggling with mental health issues. And this is 
obviously a very heavy topic, so I do encourage people if they are looking for just support to go towards the likes of Beyond Blue. The Black Dog Institute is also a very positive resource. And also, while we're talking about Talk To Me Bro, you can find them, I believe, on Facebook and Instagram. So I encourage you to go look at what they're, what they're doing at the moment. And I believe you guys are trying to get something up and running in the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, look, with Football South Coast, I approached Bobby, um, the Football South Coast Committee, at the end of last year. Um, and we sort of, Chris and I sat down and did a bit of a, a presentation to, to them. And I sort of said, look, this is what I want to do um, surrounding mental health um, with Football South Coast. Um, and they jumped all, all over it. We presented to the presidents and secretaries at the start of the season for most of the uh, local football clubs. Um, and then I guess before the current COVID-19 situation, we just sort of started going around to the local senior clubs and presenting what Talk To Me Bro is all about. Uh, I think we ended up getting to about five or six clubs um, before we went into isolation. Um, and we got the intention of going to many more once, once we come out, that's for sure. Um, and we basically just presented the stats around mental health um and then sort of explain to them what talk to me bro is about and what we want to do moving forward um and the program the sessions that we want to run with them um i know christy's got a couple of guys currently going around a lot of the, the local high schools i know eddie rice will um warawong high um and they do complete days with year eight nine ten eleven twelve i think it is um and sit down and do a very similar program with them um and they're seeing the benefits straight away that's for sure it's fantastic that you guys are trying to integrate within the footballing community because, like I said, there has been tragic instances in the recent years. We've unfortunately tragically lost Justin Cairo a couple of years ago and as well as last year we lost Colin Heapy as well in really tragic circumstances. And, you know, if any positive can come out of that, it is that the local footballing community, which is in Frank, at least in the, obviously in the men's side of thing involves, the men's side of things involves plenty of people in the age bracket that this directly affects the most, um, will be more aware of this issue. So obviously, hopefully with, with you, you've tried to turn a really sad and um, once again, tragic incident into something positive. So hopefully this is a movement that can keep um, keep progressing and it's brilliant to have Football South Coast involved with it. And also you're, on, you're back with Bulleye now and we're talk, we'll talk, we'll go back to your footballing career in a moment, but you're also, they've also decided to get on board with Talk To Me Bro. Yeah, look, I think it's absolutely fantastic that um, Bulleye this season have sort of made the sacrifice from making money on a front and shirt sponsor to, to put in the, the, the Talk To Me Bro um, logo on the front of the uh, youth grade 23s and the first grade team shirt, I guess. Um, so you know, it's absolutely fantastic on, on their behalf to raise that awareness around mental health. And I think that speaks volumes about the people involved in Buller Football Club. Um, and also the same must be said about Coniston Football Club as well. I think we presented it at their season launch at the start of this season. Um, and Johnny, Johnny Caro there once has got the Torch Me Bro logo on the front of the under 18 strip, I think it is. Um, and there's obviously some sort of um, exciting initiatives to come throughout the rest of the year, hopefully, once we can start playing again. That's fantastic to hear. And we'll talk about your time, actually, at Coniston as well now. In 2018, you decided to 
dropped down to the district league with the side that was seeking Premier League promotion and you managed to achieve that being a key figure in their promotion season. Where does that year rank for you? Yeah, that was absolutely fantastic season there at uh, Coniston. Um, Vic Maseski there gave me gave me a message when I was still living in the UK and he knew that I was coming back to Australia. Um, and then I think, yeah, I got back to Australia in about the February of 2018. Um, I think the next day I was training with, with Coniston. Um, I think he sort of just sat down with me and sort of spoke about Coniston's plans. He spoke about the players, which they had, and the vision of the football club. And, and then spoke a little bit about where they come from as well, from the, the dark days of community leg and almost folding. Um, so for me, I wasn't going, going to, to play that season. Um, but I thought, why not? Um, and then, yeah, absolutely amazing season, achieving promotion. And then the grand final was just the icing on the cake there, really. Yeah, Coniston played some tremendous football in the second tier and it was pretty exciting to watch it, watch the race between Coniston and Balambi, two really quality sides. And obviously Coniston just pipped the Rosellas. I believe it was a win against Helensburg on the last day of the regular season that got the job done. But you decided to return to Bulleye the following season, leaving the number one jersey vacant at Coniston. Were you... Was there any thoughts of sticking around at Coniston now that they were in the Premier League or did you always have your heart on going back to Bulleye eventually? No, I did. Actually, I sat down with Jeff Orport who just come in um, and Johnny Carrow at the end of the 2018 season um, and actually agreed to sign with them. Um, but I did have intentions to go back and, and study the following year. Um, I, I did start studying um, back in 2015 just before my father passed away. But once he passed away, I ended up scrapping that. Um, so I knew it was something that I needed to come back and do. Um, I needed to get my diploma sorted. Um, and 2019 was the year that I sort of set aside to say football comes second. Um, to try and juggle playing Premier League week in, week out, uh, along with studying as well, because unfortunately the classes fell on a Tuesday and Thursday night at half past six. Um, so that's prime football Convenient. training time, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work out too well. So... Once I did agree to sign with, with Coniston, it just didn't sit right with me. Um, the fact that I knew that I probably couldn't train as much as they wanted me to. Um, so I was at that time I spoke with Bales out of Bulleye and said, look, I'm just looking to help out where I can really. Um, I probably can't train, which I didn't. I think I trained about six times the whole season um, during TAFE break. Um, and I guess probably the backup keeper at any football club is the hardest position to fill. Mm. Um, so I sort of had to turn around and say to, to Jeff and Johnny, I said, look, unfortunately, I don't want to let Coniston Football Club down. Um, I'm going to move back to Bulleye. Um, and they respected my decision and I thank them so, so much for that. But um, yeah, headed back to Bulleye in 2019 and we sort of just back up to, to UER in case he went down injured, really. Yeah, it would have been tough to leave Coniston because, yeah, that 2018 side would have... Uh left you with plenty of uh, positive memories, but onwards and upwards. And obviously, Yuya has departed in 20, departed last year. And obviously, yourself and Daniel Farina are vying for the number one jersey there. Whether we'll see who wins that when football resumes. But we're going to finish off today's show by putting together... Ben McGuinness, the Ben McGuinness five-a-side team made up of players that you have played with over your career. We can start with a goalkeeper, and I think I might have mentioned his name, but no, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty easy one. Um, I'll give an honourable mention to um, Adam Heron, also known as Turbo over the years, back at my early days at Winuna. Um, Turbo was a guy that I look, looked up to when I came into Winuna youth grade. It was when he went down injured that I got my shot in um, first grade, but he was an absolutely wonderful keeper. But mm. when I left Bulleye in 2015 to go travelling, UYAR came along and probably the best thing that ever happened to Bulleye Football Club, I think. So I'll give that spot to uh, Yuya, that's for sure. And definitely an exciting goalkeeper. Good old Yuya. And it's uh, some big gloves to fill when uh, football resumes. But we'll go into your defenders. Um, it's a tough one, this one. Um, but I'm going to go with Stewie Lowry, who I played with, played with a bit within his his last season at Bulleye Football Club. I think he was 37 and he looked like he was about 17. Um, <laughs> the guy was just the ultimate professional. Um, the way he read... Read a football game was second to none and absolutely pleasure playing alongside Stewie, that's for sure. Do you have just the one defender? I've got one and a half defenders. Okay. Um, the next guy I've got there is Nighty. Yeah. Um, I think Nighty's a left back, but I think he hates playing there. So I don't know whether we call him a defender or not, but he can play somewhere <laughs> between left back and the middle. And yeah, he just makes football look, look easy, really. Um, there's no surprise he's doing so well with the Wolves last season, that's for sure. He's not a not a uh, bad five side player either, guy Knight. And you'll we'll put him a midfield, but we'll put another midfielder alongside him. Yeah, the creative midfielder I've gone with is actually um, Hiro Kawanaki, who I played with mm. at, at Coniston. Um, the guy was just full of life and probably one of the most creative footballers I've ever ever played with. Um, I think we're absolutely blessed to have him at, at, at Coniston that season. He could have been playing Premier League and and, and State League, that's for sure. Um, so I think he's probably one of the best players to ever play district league. I think that is a that's a definite shout. He probably who picked up the player of the season in district league that year. Um, I think it was one of the O'Brien boys at was Blandy, it Tim? I think it yeah, was. I think, I think it, was it was Tim, Tim O'Brien. But here I picked up the man of the match in the grand final. That's I believe. Yeah, no surprises and there. All respect to Tim, but. Um, Hero was sensational, and I think he could have gone close to taking out a George Naylor medal if he was playing in a good side in the IPL as well. Fantastic player, and it's a, a shame that uh, Conister he had to, he left back for Japan the following year. Actually, I think Vic might have told me he went to try his hand in Southeast Asia, but I can't. That isn't bona fide. Um, he, he went to Bangladesh, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know what he saw in that place. But anyway, I think he lasted about <laughs> three or four games there, and then went straight back to Japan. So. All right, let's hope Probably we don't have any, any Bangladeshi listeners listening. <laughs> um, and rounding the, out this team up top? Um, up top, I'll, I'll, I'll stick Benny, Benny Mack up top. Uh, I think he's, his first touch is second to none when it comes comes to a, uh, a target man. Um, I've played with Benny for years and years now and is still, I think, one of the best strikers that I've ever 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 played with, I think. It was a tough one between him and Geordie Murray. I think Geordie Murray's done, I've played with Geordie at Bulleye for a couple of years there and um, there's no surprise to see where he is now playing A-League, that's for sure. I think Ben's goal-scoring record stands up with with anyone in, in this competition. So that's a fantastic shout there. But we've reached the end of today's podcast. So Ben, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us about your footballing career as well as your experiences dealing with mental illness and talk to me, bro. It was really fantastic to have you on to talk about this. That was awesome. Thanks for having us, Dil. 
Thanks to you, the listeners, and hopefully you will join us for episode 12 of Away From The Pitch next Tuesday.